Before we dive into God's Word today, I want to pray again. So let's, let's pray together. Lord God, Father, again, I come before you and I'm just amazed that you have chosen me of all people to be a person who, who has the opportunity to just tell others that you are awesome. You're awesome, incredible, wonderful God. And God, that you put me here so that I can share your greatness with the next generation. Uh, Lord, is, is almost more than, than, I can, than I can even deal with. Uh, so Lord, I just ask you that you would fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. So much so that nothing in me gets in your way. God, that you would open up our eyes to see incredible truth from your word. So that we can know you better. And so that we can bring our lives in line with who you are. Because you are God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You ever start something and quit before you finished it? I certainly have. In fact, put that slide, put that slide up there. That guy on the left, I was 19. Okay? That's Terry Wayne and the Live Wires. When, uh, I, I, obviously that was a long time ago. And you know what? When this picture was taken, we, we had thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And when this picture was taken, we were just getting at the place where we had a positive cash flow. And, uh, and we were just starting to make some money. And, but some, something happened to me. I fell in love. And uh, so I had to sell my, all of my stuff in order to buy engagement and wedding rings. So it's really Patsy's fault that I quit. <laughs> Uh, some, somebody, somebody uh, asked me this last week, said, Terry, you ever think about what would have happened if you hadn't quit? And I thought, yeah, I probably would have starved to death if I hadn't quit. But, you know, that's not the point. The point is, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't quit because I quit. Take your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 13. One time, while you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit more about me. Okay. It was a time when I almost quit the Christian life. Seriously, I really did. And the reason was because the, my Christian experience, my experience as a Christian, wasn't what I expected it to be going into being a Christian. And so I almost walked away from the Lord. Now, I wouldn't have been the first. Jesus had a lot of people walk out, walk away from him. In fact, did you know, at one time in Jesus' ministry, he had more than 5,000 people who just followed him around from place to place. 5,000 people. That's an that's a Easter Sunday crowd at Lake Hills Church. In fact, how many of you were here for Easter? Hold your hands up and keep them up there for a second. Wow, a bunch of you. Okay, that, that's good. You run 5,000 people. That's how many people we had here for Easter. Now I have a question for you. Where are the rest of them? If they were still here, we'd need seven services to put them all in here. What happened to the rest of them? Well, before Jesus was crucified, he had more than 5,000 people following him around from place to place. But by the time Jesus went to the cross... There were fewer people following Jesus than there are in this room. What happened? What happened to the rest of them? And when we get to Matthew chapter 13, we're going to jump into Jesus' life at a time when those 5,000 people were still following him around. So look in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. 
It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. But such large crowds gathered around him that, around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it. Now, the large, the large crowds, that's this 5,000 plus people. So he got in the boat and he shoved out from the shore a little bit so that he wouldn't get pushed into the water. And he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Well, then what he did, once he got out into the into the water in the boat, he started telling all of the people a story about farming. Now, in the first century Palestine, farming wasn't something you did on top of a big green air-conditioned John Deere. Okay? When the first century Palestine farming, when the farmer got ready to sow his seed, he had this huge, long, big sack of seed that he would throw over his shoulder and then he would pull it in here and tie it down. He had a little... A little scoop of food there and he would reach in and grab the food, gra grab the seed and he would throw the seed out into the field one handful at a time. And then once he got all of his seed spread out there on the surface of the ground, then with the help of either an ox or a donkey, he would pull the plow back up and down on that field until he had covered the seed with a thin layer of dirt. Well, as Jesus tells his story, he talks about the different places that some of the seed fell. And he said some of that seed fell on the trail that people walked down to cross the farmer's field. Well, as you can imagine, just like any other path, it got hard, rock hard. And so when the, when the plow came across that rock hard dirt, it just barely scratched it. And so the seed just sat there on top of the dirt, on, on top of this packed dirt. And the birds saw it, they came along and ate it all. Well, then Jesus said there was some other seed that when Jesus threw it out there, it, it landed on dirt. But underneath that dirt was this layer of limestone. It was about two inches under the, under the dirt. There wasn't any room for the roots to grow. So it would grow, but then when the, since the roots could only go about two inches down, as soon as it got hot, then the plants would just burn up. Then Jesus went on. He says there's some other seed that when a farmer got out toward the edge and he threw the seed out close to the edge. Well, along the hedge of his field, he had a big, a, a big hedge, about five feet tall. It was thorns. And, that, and he, he actually put those thorns there because that was like a barrier to keep, to keep critters and, and, uh, and thieves from coming in and stealing his harvest. Well, those, uh, those thorns, though, when the growing season started, that thorn hedge, the roots of those thorns would sort of sneak out into the field and start stealing the water and the nourishment that was meant for the, the barley and the wheat that was growing out there. And so the barley and the wheat, it would grow up into stalks and leaves, but it wouldn't produce any barley or any wheat. But then Jesus said, there's some of that seed. When he threw it out there, it hit on dirt that was good dirt. And he said that seed sprouted and grew up, and, and it grew up and produced maybe 30, 60, 100 times more wheat and barley than the farmer had planted. Well, in this boat with Jesus was Peter and James and John. Now, they're fishermen. They're not farmers. And they sit there listening to Jesus tell this story about farming. And they couldn't figure out what in the world does this have to do with anything. But they're not about to ask that with 5,000 people there. So they waited. They waited until later when Jesus was all by himself. And then one of them went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, 
what in the world were you talking about with that farming story? And so Jesus, he told them, jump down to verse 18. He tells these guys, he says, okay, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone, hears the, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This seed, this is the seed sown along the path. Now, they didn't understand it. Didn't make sense. Well, the interesting thing we know about these people from John chapter 7. John chapter 7 verse 17 says, Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. In other words, the reason this didn't make sense to these guys is because they didn't want it to make sense. When he goes to the, sec the second group of people, our seed, he said, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places... It's verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word. Now, the word here, we're talking about the word of God, specifically the word of God as it relates to Jesus. It says, who hears the word, and at once he receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. So this is the guy who listens to Jesus and he thinks, wow, this is really cool. But then trouble comes along and he falls away. And we need to understand something here. Many people were attracted to Jesus because of his miracles. Jesus fixed broken things. So this group of people, this represents those who are like people here at Lake Hills Church who come here because their life is a mess. Maybe their marriage is a mess. Maybe their kids are a mess. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they have some sort of addiction that they're, that's just totally destroying their life. Or maybe they're just not happy. And so, so they come here to Lake Hills Church like they came to Jesus. And they hear a message about Jesus who fixes broken things. And so because this message gives them hope that they can be fixed, they receive the message, they believe it, they ask Jesus Christ to take, them, take their life and make something good out of it to, to fix what's broken. And then they leave here and they go home. And they get up tomorrow and the next day and the next day and maybe a week later, maybe a month later. And their life is still a mess. Jesus said, there's a real good chance that, that those people are going to fall away. See, I was almost one of those people. I was almost one of those guys that fell away because the Christian life was not what I expected it to be. You see, when I read the New Testament, I discover that Jesus and his disciples, in the process of fixing things that were broken, they prayed for crippled people and they walked. They healed people who were blind and deaf. There were sometimes they even told dead people to come alive and they came alive. Well, when I read the New Testament, I was under the impression that since I was a Christ follower, I should be able to do the same thing they did. 
That when I came across broken people, I should be, pr- I should be able to pray for them and, and they wouldn't be broken anymore. They would, the crippled would walk again and, and people who were sick would be healed. And, and, and I even prayed for some dead people to get up. And, and you know what? Sometimes, sometimes God did what I asked him to do. I didn't see any dead people get up, although that would have been cool. That would, oh, can, I mean, can you imagine the scene in the hospital or in the funeral home? If I prayed for somebody and they sit up, would that, that, that would have been cool. God never did that. Okay, but I did see God do some really cool goosebump kind of things that I walked away thinking, wow, that is awesome. The problem was God didn't do it all the time. There were some people that I prayed for to be healed and they didn't get healed. There were some broken things that I prayed that would, they would get fixed and they didn't get fixed. And I didn't understand why. Why God did it sometimes, but he didn't do it all the time. And when Jesus didn't do what I expected or what I thought he was supposed to be doing, my faith crashed. And I almost took the Christian life, Christian stuff. I almost took it and put it up on the shelf. I thought, you know what? I can play church just as good as the next guy. And nobody would ever know. And I almost did that. Let's go on. Look in verse 22. Jesus talks about that third group of people. He says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. You see, this group of people here in verse 22, they're generally, in, they, they are genuinely interested in Jesus. The problem is, they're interested in a lot of other things too. This, these are the guys, they, they have a family and they have a career and they have a house or maybe two houses. They, 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 they have friendships, lots of friends. They have taxes they have to pay. These guys are busy. And so there's a lot of things out there going on that demands their attention and, and competes with their competes for their attention. Now, once you look at what happens to these guys, look at the last part of verse 22. It says, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke it, choke the seed, making it unfruitful. They don't die. They just don't mature enough to make a difference in the lives of other people. You know what, folks? There's a lot of us here. In fact, I would say that probably all of us here, we are genuinely interested in our relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. Otherwise, we'd be somewhere else. But like the people here in verse 22, we are genuinely interested in a lot of things. Most of us here, if I were to ask how many of you think you have a full plate, every one of us would hold up our head. Boy, Terry, my plate is full. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having a full plate. The problem is, is that with a full plate, when things start falling off the plate, quite often the things that fall off the plate are the things that most contribute to our relationship with Jesus. Let's go on. Verse 23. 
But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, that's the man who hears the word and he understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, before I talk about this guy, I want to look at all four of them together. Let's get the big picture here. Because all four of these groups of people, these are just normal people like us. These are the kind of people who were here, the 5,000 people who were here on Easter Sunday. Okay, that's this group of people, just normal, ordinary, everyday people. Jesus came to these normal, ordinary people and he said, hey, you want more than ordinary? You want more than ordinary? He offered them more than ordinary. But it was only that fourth group that got to more than ordinary. In fact, they got to the place where they were 30, 60, 100 times better than ordinary. Now the question is, how did they get there to more than ordinary? Now this is really, really important. This is very important to me. Okay, because that's why I became a Christian in the first place. I became a Christian because I wanted more than ordinary. My parents gave me a wonderful life, but it was ordinary. Actually, it was, I guess it was better than ordinary because I've met a lot of people that didn't have as good a life as I did. But I still wanted more than that. I wanted more than ordinary. And so that's why I became a Christian. I wasn't sure what more than ordinary was, but I knew that I wanted it. And then later, when I became a parent, I wanted more than ordinary for my kids. And then when I became a grandparent, I want more than ordinary for my grandkids. And now, as a pastor, I want more than ordinary for you and for your kids and for your grandkids. So the question is, how did this number four group, how did they get to more than ordinary when none of the other groups made it? So let's look back at this. The key's got to be here, right here in this verse, verse 23. So let's look at it again. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He understands the word. Now, let's think about this. All four groups heard the word concerning Jesus. Three of the four groups actually believed it. But only group number four does it say they understood it. So whatever is tied into that word, understand, is the key to getting more than ordinary. That word, understand, is a word that means, it, actually it's a really cool word. It's a, it's a word that means to put together. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But the difference between this number four group and all the other groups, this number four group was able to put the pieces together. Now, when I almost quit the Christian life, it was because I couldn't fit the pieces together. I thought that my life was supposed to be just like 
Jesus and the disciples when they were able to fix broken people. And when I couldn't fix people that were broken, that didn't fit. Jesus and the twelve, they healed people. I wasn't all that good at healing people. I couldn't fit those pieces together. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. So Jesus says, I'm supposed to have an abundant life. But I couldn't even afford to get my car fixed. I couldn't fit the pieces together. Abundant life and not being able to afford to get my car fixed, the pieces, the pieces wouldn't fit. So if getting to more than ordinary means being able to fit the pieces together, then what on earth did I have to do to get the pieces together? To put the pieces together. Now here's what I discovered. I discovered that getting to more than ordinary is not hard, but it doesn't just happen. Getting to more than ordinary requires follow through. Fully engaging in the word of God. We're going to talk about that in just a second. And finishing, finishing well. So let's, let's do those three. First one is follow through. Say it with me. Follow through. Oh, that was pathetic. Let's say it again. Ready? Follow through. Okay, that's good. That's a good start. Follow through. That's the first one. Follow through. What does it mean to follow through? You see, when, when you prayed and you placed faith in Jesus Christ, that was the most important decision you will ever make in your life because it was with that decision that you were given eternal life that's big time that's more important than anything but what it's what happens next after you make that decision to place faith in Christ it's what happens next that actually facilitates life change in your life Romans chapter 6 verse 16 this is a very important verse for this follow through concept Romans chapter 6, verse 16. It says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? In other words, regardless of what we do here on Sunday morning, regardless of what we pray here on Sunday morning, regardless of what we decide to do here on Sunday morning, it's the follow-through that brings about life change. For instance, if, if at, the, at the end of the message, Max, says, would you, Max invites us, if we've never placed faith in Jesus Christ, to pray and place faith in Jesus Christ. And, and so Max leads us in a prayer. And, 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 if, and so if we pray that prayer, then, then he says, okay, now, now hold, hold your hands up. And so people will, will hold our hands up. And then an usher is going to come and pass us a box. And in that little box, there is an information card and there's a Bible. Follow through means I actually fill out the card. And then when I'm done, I take it to somebody out at the blue tent or I place it in an offering basket when it comes by. Follow through means when I get that Bible, I actually start reading it. I suggest Matthew. Just start reading. Follow through means that Monday or Tuesday, when I call you, I'm calling you in order to connect you with someone who will help you make the next steps in your Christian life, help you begin to put the pieces together. 
Follow through, through means you actually meet with this person. You see, you see, folks, we need help, most of us. We need help putting the pieces together. That's why we have life groups. That's why we have men's and women's Bible studies. That's why we have mom to mom. Places for us to connect with other people who are putting the pieces together just like we are. Follow through means we connect and stay connected with other people who are also working on putting the pieces together. So that's follow through. What's the second one? That's good. Let's try it again. We'll get better. You ready? That's good. You're getting better. Fully engaged. Now, fully engaged with the Word. Now, what's that? That means learning and doing the Word of God. It's not just reading the Bible, but it's doing it. It's when I read the Bible and I learn something, then I put it into, into practice. Doing the things, learning and doing the things that are going to contribute to me growing in my relationship with Jesus. Now, the big issue here is time. Time. There's only so much time. All of us have really important things in our lives other than our relationship with Jesus Christ. To fully engage means that, to, to, to fully engage with, with the things that, that grow us in our relationship with Jesus means we never let these other important things come between us and our relationship with Jesus. It's been several weeks ago, I was out here and I was greeting people that were coming in. You know, I'm out there ignoring the parents and giving high fives to the kids. Uh, and so I was out having my normal Sunday morning out here, ignoring the parents and giving high fives to the kids. Because I really want your kids to have a great experience here. I, I want your kids to say, Mom, are we going to church today? Dad, are we going to church today? So I'm, I, and you, you know, I'm exaggerating. I'll say hi to you, but I'm going to give high five to the kids. So I'm out here, I'm meeting the kids, and I'm giving high fives to the kids. This big family comes along. And so they're all lining up to get their high fives, and mom and dad, and then it's like a little cubby of quail coming along behind them. And, uh, and I'm giving high fives to the kids as they come by. And the last one to come by is a little girl. And this little girl, when she gives me her high five, she says, When I'm married and I have a, my own family, we're going to come to church every Sunday. And I thought, whoa, I didn't even know these people hadn't been here every Sunday. But this little girl did. And she realized how important her relation, growing her relationship with God was to be in here. And so she didn't want whatever was getting in the way of them being here Sunday. She said, when I'm married and I have a family of my own, we're going to be here every Sunday. In Luke chapter 10, there's a really neat story. Some of my favorite people in the whole Bible. A guy named Lazarus. They had two sisters, Martha and Mary. And Jesus was over at their house and he was teaching. He was getting ready to have dinner. He was eating with his friends of his, Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Now, Martha was the older of two sisters. And, and so Martha was working on getting dinner for Jesus' 12 guys that were eating with Jesus and probably a few other people who were tagging along. And so she's in the kitchen and she's preparing this meal. And if you, if you I mean, can you imagine you're feeding a football team out there? Okay, so that's, that's, that's a lot of food. That's a lot of preparation. And so Martha is in here really working on getting the food ready. And it tells us in Luke chapter 10... It says, verse 40, it says, But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
Well, Martha's in here working, getting all of this food ready for Jesus and the twelve. And she looks around and her sister Mary is not there. And she thinks, where in the world is my little baby sister? She should be in here helping me with this. And so, but Martha knows that if she walks out and finds Mary and says, would you come in here and help me? Martha knows that Mary's going to say, you're not the boss of me. So, Martha goes up to Jesus and she says, Jesus, would you tell my sweet little baby sister Mary to come in the kitchen and help me, please? Look at what Jesus, Jesus did. Martha, Martha, verse 41. You are worried and upset about many, many things. And understand, folks, these are important things if the, Jesus and the twelve are going to eat. You're upset about many things, but only one thing is needed, or one thing is really needed. And then he goes on and he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from him, from her. Reading between the lines, Martha, Martha, I love you dearly. Don't neglect the things that will grow your relationship with me because that relationship is going to last forever. Folks, being fully engaged, part of being fully engaged is when things start falling off of our plate, and they do, when things start falling off of our plate, that we make sure that the things that stay on the plate are those things that grow our relationship with Jesus. Number three. What's number three? Finish. Oh, that's good. Let's try one more time. Ready? Number three is? Finish. That's good. You know, too bad we don't have six. If we had six, by the time we got to six, y'all would really be good. Okay, finish. You know, when I, when my faith crashed, I was pastoring a little church and, and I knew that I couldn't have a crashed faith and continue to pastor. So, I remember one time I was in my living room with my parents and, and my dad said, son, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm 29 years old and have preschoolers. Actually, we have two at that point. Patsy's pregnant with number three. And, uh, and my dad says, son, well, what are you going to do? And I'll never forget my response. My response was, dad, I just want a normal, ordinary life like everybody else. If I could just have a normal, ordinary life, then I'd be okay. But you know something, folks? That wasn't true. Ordinary was not okay because I wanted more than ordinary. But if I quit, I would never figure out how the pieces fit together. If I quit, I would never get to that 30, 60, 100 times more than ordinary. And what's even more, if I quit, I could never tell my kids or my grandkids or you, don't settle for ordinary. So somehow, by the grace of God, Rather than pour myself into finding more than ordinary away from God, which would have been a big mistake, I poured myself into fully engaging with 
with the things I knew were supposed to grow my life and my relationship with Jesus. I poured myself into fully engaging and trying to find more than ordinary in my relationship with God. Now for me, what that meant was that I got up early in the morning and opened my Bible. And I say early, I mean really early, because at this time I, I was working for the telephone company. Had to be at work at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was a lineman. I was going to go climb telephone poles starting at 6 o'clock in the morning. Folks, I was a little guy. When I put that belt on, I increased my body weight by 30%. Okay, I had to get up and get ready for that. And so I got up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I opened my Bible. Nobody else was awake. That was the only time I could do it. I had three preschoolers in. They were all asleep. Patsy was worn out from having three preschoolers. So I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I'm reading the Bible and I'm praying. But, but I didn't stop with just reading it. I was bound and determined to do what it said. And so when I read something, then I put it into practice. I put it into practice at home. I tried to become a spiritual leader in my home. I put it into practice at work at the plant where I was with these 80 redneck telephone guys. And uh, I mean, folks, this, I'm, I'm the only Christian in a plant with 80 guys that didn't know any word that didn't just have four letters in it. And that's where I was. And so, and, and so but I, I needed to be a Christian there, and I needed to do what God's Word said there. And, I, and I, so I, I made it my intent to fully engage, be what God wanted me to be, to be right here in this place with these 80 guys. But also at church. I plugged in church. I did as much in church when I was working for the telephone company, and I wasn't even being paid for it because I knew that being connected to these people, that was where if I was going to find more, more than ordinary... It was going to be tied to, to engaging God's Word the way the Bible says it's supposed to be engaged, which is with other Christ followers. And you know what? Somewhere between year one and year two of fully engaging in God's Word and doing what God's Word said, somewhere between year one and year two, the pieces started coming together. Not all at once. But a little bit at a time, a piece that was over here started coming toward the center. The pieces started coming together. And you know something? They're still coming together. I haven't finished. I want to finish well. They're still coming together. And as the pieces started to coming, the more the pieces started coming together, then, then ordinary just is no longer on my radar anymore because I have had a taste of more than ordinary. Jesus offers more than ordinary. Faith, placing faith in Jesus, that's just the beginning. That makes it possible to get to more than, or, more than ordinary. But it's what comes next that brings about the real life changes in your life. The life change is going to make a difference in your kids and in your grandkids and, and in the people around you. That's what comes next as you follow through, as you fully engage in God's Word, learning and doing what God's Word says. And then as you, you're bound and determined to finish well. And I want to just borrow something from Mac and Judy. Mac and Judy, Mac and Julie. It's worth it. Don't settle for ordinary.
Let's pray. Lord God, Father, you said in your word that you know our thoughts from afar. So you know what everyone in this room is thinking right now. And Lord, I just ask, you also said in your word, Lord, that you have the power by your spirit in us to take our thoughts captive. So Lord, I just ask you right now that you would do that. Lord, that you would just take our thoughts captive. And Lord, if, there's, if we're tempted to settle for just ordinary, God, don't let that temptation take hold. But God, give us the grace to f- pursue you, to follow through, to, to fully engage in, in all that you have for us so we can finish well and so that our lives can be more than ordinary. God, I ask that you by your Holy Spirit would do that with this group of people right here, right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I want to speak to a specific group of people here. There's some people here who have never placed faith in Jesus Christ. And you are here because you do want more than ordinary. Because right now, ordinary is just not all that satisfying. More than ordinary begins by placing faith in Jesus Christ. It begins by opening up your life and saying, Jesus, just come in. Jesus Christ died on a cross to remove every barrier that could possibly separate you from his Father in heaven. And then he rose from the grave because everything had been taken care of. And now as living Lord Jesus, he wants to enter into your life and begin to make your life into more than ordinary. That begins when you choose to place faith in Jesus Christ. You just pray, just ask him. Just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and do with you whatever he wants to do. That's it. It's really simple. So let's bow our heads again. And if you have never prayed and given your life to Jesus Christ, never placed faith in Jesus Christ, then just under your breath, just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. And take me and do with me whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Now let's, with every head bowed, with our eyes bowed, if you just prayed that prayer and asked and placed faith in Jesus Christ, then would you just put your hand up and hold it? We have something we want to give you. We want to give you a box. And in that box is a Bible. It's a really cool Bible. And in that box are some, a little pamphlet that talks about next steps. And there's a card in there. If you hold your hand, hold your hand up. Let us give you this box. And then once you get that box, open it up and take that card and fill it out. And when we leave here in a little while, if you'll just take that card and take it to someone in the blue tent. Or you can drop it in the offering plate, the offering basket when it comes by. Now, we have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church that when you put your hands down, we put our hands together. So let's do that right now. We want to welcome you into God's family.